0: Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccakron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Awesome, awesome. If you want to turn in your Bible tonight... Um, we're going to start in Isaiah 28, 15. And tonight I want to talk about God, my hiding place. You ever have those lessons with God in life that they just keep circling over and over and over? And it's not a bad thing. They just keep getting better and better. And, and this is one of those messages for me. You know, when you talk about hiding place, um, and it's funny because I always thought about tornado preparedness. And I never had to go hide from one until I moved to Ohio. But, you know, we, everybody here has a plan. Tornado sirens happen. What are we going to do? You know, you all have your plans. I now have my plan, you know, to go find a hiding place. We do the same thing with fire drills. You know, we have fire drills in our schools. Um, little girls run into their mommy and daddy. You know, finding a hiding place in that. You know, it's so funny. Zoe is such a mix of Zach and I. And she's so outgoing, but she's so introverted. And so she'll be, you know, own this place all day long. And then all of a sudden we come back for service. And she's like, Mom, Dad! You know, and she's got to run and, and hide to us. And really, that's, these are all pictures of how we, you and I, the church, should run to our Heavenly Father and find that hiding place in his arm, that place of security and protection and rest. Um, but the funny thing is, is how many of you know we all know what we're supposed to do? We all know we're supposed to go to the basement, but how many of you know sometimes you're cooking and it's just not a good time? <laughs> or the DVR is not quite working right. I'm sure the siren's not for me. It's for the people across the street, Right. Well, they might need to go read their Bible, but I know what it says, so I'm going to be all right. You you get what I'm saying? Oh, I know I should press in, but, you know, I told God three days ago that I needed his help with it, so he'll he'll, he'll get it. It's figured out. We know what we're supposed to do, but do we take the time to do it? You know, we know we shouldn't go through the drive-thru at McDonald's five times a week. I'll just look down. We know the fried food's not that great. We know we should go walk. You get what I'm saying? Like, if you go on and on and on with all the things that we know we're supposed to do, and I'm talking to the committed Wednesday night church group, we know we're supposed to go to God. How easy is it to pick up the phone and say, Oh my God, I have to tell you what happened? Instead of getting on our knees and saying, oh God, I'm broken, I'm angry, I'm mad. Where do I go from here? And so that's what I want to talk about. Y'all know I'm always about getting real and making the Bible come alive in our everyday life. And so I want to look at Isaiah 28, 15. And this is really talking about the world. It says, um, well, let's start in verse 14. It says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, oh, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come on us, for we have made lies our refuge. And under falsehood, we've hidden ourselves. And really, that's where the world stands. That's the darkness of the world. Anyone that's not running... To Christ and standing on his word and on who he is and, and what he prov- provides for us really begins to take what? Refuge in lies. You know, we, we um, use this book called Bondage Breaker and, um, or, and Breaking the Lies. Um, and, and it's talking about how we grow up and oftentimes things are spoken over people as little children. And you grow up finding your identity in that lie. And what happens? But you find yourself all of a sudden in the middle of the woods of, uh, 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 within yourself, in the middle of a dark place, all because you believed a lie. All because it, you found refuge in a lie that I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not handsome enough. I don't have enough money. Come on. You keep going on the list. And that's really where the world is that's not where christians are that's not where christians are remember a couple weeks ago we talked about we are not supposed to be these christians that walk around it's so bad oh have you have i told you how bad that's not it That's not us. That's not finding God as our hiding place. That's going and taking refuge in the lies of the world. Because I don't know about you, but my Bible says I'm more than an overcomer. My Bible says that I'm not the tail, I'm the head. My Bible says that he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. My Bible says that I know who's got the victory at the end of the day. That he's working all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according, come on, to his good pleasure. So I don't want to stay in those lies, but I want to be smart about it. You know, if I get diagnosed with something by the doctor, I'm not going to just say, well, thanks be to the Lord, he's going to heal me. By his stripes I'm healed. I'm going to begin to claim the scripture. I'm going to begin to believe the scripture. And I'm going to keep following up to those doctor's appointments. And I'm going to keep doing due diligence facing the reality of where I'm at. And that's the same thing you and I want to do every day of our lives facing life. Facing life, whether we're happy, whether we're sad. We can, you know, the, as Christians, one of the worst things we can do is to just pretend. Yeah. To just pretend. I can remember, um, you know, getting born again. We all know my story. I was an old drug dealer and a horrible, nasty girl. Get born again, come in the church, find myself in leadership quite quickly. And I'm like, ah! And I'll never forget the day this pastor called me. And as I'm leaving work, and it was a bad day. I did human resources, and this girl that was great working for me, I had to correct her and talk to her about some stuff, and normally that went well. And that day, I got chewed out like bad. You know, you're not expecting it. It hurts. And I remember answering the phone and them saying, hey, how you doing? And I went to say, I'm doing great. I said, well, I'm good, but I had a really, really bad day. And it was so relieving you get what I'm saying? so relieving to not just put on face and say, I, I am good, but I had a bad day. Like, I need to get over this. Are we, are we, are we following the train of thought? And so that's where we want to be. We want to recognize that, yes, my affections are some of the things above. Yes, God is for me and not against me. But the reality is the world happens, and I need to be able to look it head on and say, I'm not fearful of you because I know the outcome, and I'm going to walk with Christ through it. Amen? So let's take a look at who and how God is our hiding place. Psalm 32 7 says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. As a hiding place, he's our cover. He's a place of protection. And it's a secret place. He's my hiding place. He's my hiding place. I can go places in Christ and my God that my husband can't come with me, that my daughter can't come with me. It's a secret place. It's a place at the deepest part of our being, of our soul, and a place hidden in him that he's got picked out just for us, the place and the part of him that fits and meets the very need of our creation. But you and I also have to make it personal It doesn't say, oh, God, you're a hiding place. It says you're my hiding place. I'm Greta's hiding place. I'm Daniel's hiding place. I'm your hiding place. If we don't make it personal, it's not ours. You know, we can be out in the middle of a field, and the tornado can be coming, and we can see it from afar off, and we can hear the winds, and we can hear the siren, and we can see that tornado shelter coming. And I can look at Joe and say, Hey, there's a shelter. I'm not worried about it, buddy. We're gonna be cool. And he's gonna look at me like I've lost my mind. He's gonna say, I don't know about you, but I'm going in there and I'm taking my girls with me. Then it's his hiding place, but it's still not a hiding place to me because I didn't go and take refuge. And when that storm comes, it's gonna blow me to pieces. But he's gonna be safe in that in that storm shelter with his family. You get what I'm saying? So we can talk about what the scripture says and talk about it in la-la land or we can begin to apply it to our lives and say, oh no, I want this to be the reality that the everyday life that I live. Are we following? Yeah. Storm, um, the promises of God to his children are only blessings to those that what, receive them or apply them. What's that like? If you're given medicine, the only way you're gonna get healed from that medicine is if you actually take it. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? You got a headache and you don't take the Tylenol, the Tylenol's not gonna work. You get allergy meds, you can have them in your suitcase all day long, but until you get off the plane and go get your luggage and take the medicine they're not doing us any good. Same thing with the word of God. Until I begin to apply it to my life. Till I begin to lay hands on myself and say I have the mind of Christ. Till I begin to say, "Thank you God that you go before me and prepare the way that I should just walk in it." I have to begin to apply it for myself. Yeah. Psalms 99 says the Lord will also be a refuge, a refuge for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. I love this picture because when you start looking at the definitions and, and looking through it, it says that a refuge is like a cliff or some lofty, inaccessible place, a defense, a high fortress. And so when I think of a lofty, inaccessible place, I think on the side of a cliff, overlooking a big, beautiful ocean that has no way to get inside of it lest God drop you in himself. It's a place, a high fortress, a place of defense, a place of safety and security. In the Old Testament, there were cities of refuge under the law. God is our current city of refuge. What that means is, let's say that you accidentally killed Someone. Back in the Old Testament, you killed someone accidentally on purpose, right? You only lost your mind for half a second, but that second wasn't good. You would kill someone. You would, you would, you would commit offense against the law. You would hurt someone's family member. You would run and hightail it for that city, that city of refuge, that's that, that place. Why? Because those people could be right on your tail, but as soon as you cross over, as soon as you enter that city, as soon as you go within their gates, you're untouchable. By law, those family members, those people pursuing you to do you harm because of your wrong could no longer touch you. And this is the same thing with you and I today. God is our fortress, God is our city of refuge. God is that place that we go. And you know what, God? I just messed it up again. Did I have to say that? Did I have to do that? Why, why, why? We just go run to him. We go run to him. How could this happen to me again? I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. So I want to go and find myself wrapped in his arms in the middle of my situation that the world can't touch me. Because if the world touches me in the middle of it, I'm going to start smelling like the world. I'm going to start looking like the world. And I don't know about you, but I I've spent too many years looking and smelling and tasting like the world that I want to taste and smell of the fragrance of heaven everywhere I go. So if I, in the middle of the battle, in the middle of my time of need, can crawl up that cliff and get in Daddy God's place of shelter and refuge... All the things happen around me can't touch me. I love this example. Um, This guy John Trapp um, in the 1800s wrote this. It says that it was reported of the Egyptians that living in the fins and being vexed with gnats. Could you imagine, like, south Louisiana, we have a lot of mosquitoes, and they're really annoying. But to be vexed with gnats just freaks me out. They used to sleep in high towers whereby those creatures not being able to soar so high they were delivered from the biting of them. So it would be with us when bitten with cares and fears did we but run to God for our refuge and rest confident of his help. In other words, they, were so, they had so many gnats. They, 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 they were getting bitten to pieces. They were getting bitten and eaten up. It was, it was nagging. It was annoying. You couldn't sleep. And so they built these towers of refuge that were higher than the gnats were capable of flying. And there they found peace. And underneath them was still the storm of the gnats, was still the bug, was still the nagging, was still the inconvenience And that's where you and I go. When we begin to go to the heavenly places, um, our friend Christina from Asia, she wrote this song, Come Up Higher. And as we go up higher with him, as we keep climbing up that tower of refuge, we find ourselves higher above all the problems of the world. And all of a sudden, those things can't get to us because now I'm hidden in him. Now I'm hiding in the shelter of the Almighty. Isaiah 4, 5 says that the Lord will create over... Over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night, over all the glory will be a canopy. And this will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge, a hiding place from the storm. This shelter is a place of trust. As those Israelites went and wandered, Through the desert, it really wasn't a wandering. They had a, a cloud of smoke and fire to lead them. But it was also a place of trust because if they stayed underneath it, they knew they were protected. They knew they were provided for. And so our job as believers is, is to find the shelter of his presence. When we start talking about entering in and lingering and, and spending time with him and pushing through and pressing in, there's a place of trust. There's a place of knowing that how, how can I find myself looking at the stupid magazines or, or doing the things I'm not supposed to be doing, come on, when I'm in his presence, how, how, how I don't have to worry about smarting off again or, or going smoke the cigarette or whatever else, come on, is, is bothering you in your life when I'm finding myself hidden in his presence. That's a place that, that, that we go to to find trust, to find hiding, to find refuge, that really it's a shade from the heat of the day. How many of you know, like when we go out there, like, oh my. It's tough. We had the most amazing time for Camp Meeting Weekend. And the way I know it's Camp Meeting Weekend is because as soon as we walk out those doors, it it hits us. 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 And I mean it hits us. Undone. But there's shade from the heat. There's shade from the heat that, that it doesn't affect us, that it doesn't, that it doesn't scorch us, that it doesn't harm us, that all of a sudden I'm hiding in the shadow of the Almighty, walking in places and hiding in places that, you know what, it's all there and it's all happening, but I'm coming up higher. I'm looking above the situation now, and I'm able to answer with God's love. I'm able to answer with his wisdom. I'm able to be a comfort and a shelter for someone else. Because I found time in his presence. Because I've I've gone into a place of security, of hiding that nobody else can go with me. A place that no one else can come and provide the same comfort and protection and healing a place that I can trust, a place that I know I'll never get turned away from. I'll never get turned away from him. I'll never. He'll never say, I don't have time for you right now. I can go there in the middle of it. I've just got to stay where his presence is. I've got, oh, it's not happening over here, all you gossiping fools. Great, I'm going over here. Oh, all you want to do is nag. I don't have time for that. Oh, all you want to do is talk about that booze in that bar. I don't have time for that. I'm going to stay under the shelter of the shadow of the Almighty where I can find rest for my soul where I can stay above all the things of the world that at the end of the day I know I know that I can still look myself in the mirror and know that I've walked with God and know that through thick or thin, in good times and hard times, that I've done due diligence for the kingdom, that I've honored my king, that I may not be perfect, but I'm following him. I'm finding security in him. I'm not talking about him. I'm not telling someone to go do something I'm not. I'm living it. He's over here, I'm here. He's leading this, I'm here. Oh, we've got this, I'm going to go do this. Why? Because I just want to dance with him. I just want to dance with him. I want him to twirl me around. I want him to serenade me and love me and protect me. How many of you are understanding it's more than just a checklist? Yeah. It's so much deeper. And as soon as we found, like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, he woke me up and he told me this word and I was journaling it and I got a phone call. Once that begins, it's just the beginning. You just got on first base. It's okay. There's a whole lot more bases to come. There's a whole lot more levels to go. There's a whole lot more climbing higher to be done. 2 Samuel 22.3 says, My God is my rock. He's my strength. I don't have to have the, the muscle, the ability, the strength in me to go face the terrors of the day. He's my rock. He's my strength. In whom I take refuge, in whom I trust. He's my shield and my horn of salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. From violent men, you shall save me. As our shield, he's our protector. He's our protector. I find myself hiding in him. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about we're the ravioli. And if he's my protector, if he's my shield, I'm that little meat all wrapped up, hiding in him. And here comes Jesus, and he's the pasta. (laughs) Covering that meat. Covering that meat. And it's sealed all the way around. It's sealed. And then that sauce is the blood of Christ. He's my shield. He's that pasta covering me with the blood covering me that the world can't touch me. He's my protector. He's my shield. Those arrows start coming. I don't have to go get out my bow and start trying to attack back. I can find myself hiding in him. I can find myself learning what it is to be hidden in Christ. It's also a symbol, um, can be said, the, the scaly hide of a crocodile. The scaly hide of an alligator. You know, if you ever watch those Swamp People shows, you ever watch those? There's only one place on the back of that alligator's head about the size of a quarter that you can kill them. And you got to shoot them, shoot them, shoot them. Right? Just in that one spot. But that scaly hide is like a picture of Christ just covering us. That when we put him on, when we hide in him, when we take refuge in him, he's our shield. That that world can't come. So say what you want to say. Do what you want to do, world. But you can't, you, you can't, you can't pierce that coating. You can't pierce that shield. He's my protector. He's my buckler. He's my defense. Psalm 34:8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that take refuge, takes refuge in him. I love this example. It says that the Lord overshadows his people as a hen protects her brood or as an eagle covers its young. And we as the little ones run under the blessed shelter and feel at rest. You know, when you begin to picture that hen, you know, lifting up her wings to cover Cover her brood. Cover her babies. You know, it's it's under that place of warmth. It's right by her side. They can feel her heartbeat. They can sense her love. It's a place of warmth. It's a place of coolness from the heat of the day. And it's a place of comfort. It's a place of security. And so we just begin to run to Daddy God in that place how many of you know sometimes we just need him to be our nurturer and we just run in like like a little baby underneath the mother hen and say come help mom come help me come hide i just in that place of comfort you know sometimes in the middle of the battles of life we can't even begin to think of climbing the tower sometimes we just got to think of that mama hen come and protect And we just run under, and he hovers over us. The Bible says in Genesis that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of the earth. It's the same picture. He hovers over us, and all we've got to do is run to him. And next thing you know, shh. You know, I'm dealing with a really, really tough situation with a few people right now. And this one particular situation. This person was driving, and I get this phone call, and I run out of our staff meeting, and they all know, we run out of staff meeting, we don't do that. So run out of staff meeting, it's heavy. And I run out of staff meeting, and, <laughs> <laughs> and this person, rightly so, is, hi- is going through a horrible situation. It's hyperventilating on the phone, borderline panic attack. Not a good situation. So I said, are you driving right now? (laughs) I got out. They just pulled over. And I said, close your eyes. Put your car in park. And I just began to pray. 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 And we just invited the Holy Spirit to come to flood that car to come in a place of security, to come in a place of shelter, and ask him, wrap your arms around her. Let her feel your warmth. Let her feel your loving kindness. Let her feel your gentleness. She needed the touch of a mother, the touch of her God in that moment. There wasn't anybody else there that could do it. Most of the time, the deepest, darkest, hardest, difficult times in our life, when we need that loving touch, there's nobody around. Yeah. They're not supposed to be. Because you and I have a father in heaven that is capable of being there. Yeah. <coughs> like a mother hen broods over her chicks. He's brooding. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for you and I to drop to our knees. How many of you, have you remember that story when I first moved to New Orleans and I found myself single. Well, you know, I was single, moved to New Orleans, and found myself finally miserable and admitting I didn't want to be single. And, oh, my goodness. So, you know, I'm scared. I'm in a new city. It's New Orleans. And I'm crying in my bedroom. I'm crying. And I'm so angry because I'm alone. But, God, now I'm serving you, and everything's falling apart. What is happening? You remember, remember that? I said, Holy Spirit, you're supposed to be my comforter. And despite my bad attitude, before I could even get it out, I felt his warmth. I felt his presence. That is available to us every day, everywhere we go. That, that, that's our hiding place, our moment of going. Because how many of you know when we don't go there in that moment of despair, we're going down a bad path in our mind a bad path in our emotions, and it gets scary real quick. And so I want to go and run to that hiding place, run to that place of refuge and shelter. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And I love this one because it says, Trust in him at all times. Pour your hearts out to him, for he's our refuge. And that's part of the making him my God, making him my shelter, making him my hiding place. I can talk about God being my best friend. I can talk about the Holy Spirit being able to comfort. But when I begin to go to him and pour out my heart to him and say, I don't understand. God, I need your help. God, it's my desire. God, I want to see Akron on its knees. I want to see Akron full of the Holy Ghost. I want to see the bars changing in Akron. I want to see the churches alive. And I began to go there with him. It's no longer me fighting the battle for this city because I've poured my heart out to him. And now he's able to do something with that. Because when we don't, give our hearts to someone, when we don't pour our soul out to him, we're keeping control. Yeah. So I mean just saying, I'm going to do, I want this city, I'm going to go to this meeting, I'm going to do this. Oh, Joe, if you don't understand, I got passion, brother. I'm going to go to every house. That's man. That's works. I don't have time for that. God can do more in one moment of time. One moment of time than we could do in a lifetime of working it. But we have to do our part. We have to begin to go to him. We have to begin to give him our desires to say, you know what? I really think I'm not okay with this. I really think I want more. You know, I'll never forget, you know. um, being in my apartment, and, and I always, um, after I was born again, would get um, apartments larger than I needed. And I would rent rooms out to young girls and disciple them and for them and, and that sort of stuff. And I remember um, when I had a two-bedroom apartment and I had three girls living with me. And I can remember saying, Lord, this isn't going to work. I need a house. I need a house, house. Within two weeks, I got a phone call at 7 in the morning from the most unexpected person, and he said, hey, you know my house? I haven't been able to sell it since we moved, and it's just sitting there. And I was thinking, would you want to move in it? You could pay me the same thing you pay for that apartment. I'm not looking to recoup my costs. I'm just looking for somebody to live in my house. So I went from this little tiny place to this huge three-bedroom, three-bath, fenced-in backyard, garage, new home that was absolutely beautiful. And I really believe that it wouldn't have come had I not said, you know what, God, I think I'm ready for I, I think, God, I think I need more. And not because I needed it, but because it was for his kingdom. Because, you see, the house was used to build the kingdom. The house was used to train up women of God. The house was used for Bible studies and parties and leaders' meetings. And so we need to begin to pour our hearts out to him, not tell him what he's to do, but begin to pour out our desires, begin to connect with him. And, and, and in doing that, we give him something to work with. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Psalm 142.5 says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I love it. my portion of the land of the living. Are you, is it well with your soul, with your lot in life? Is it well with your soul, with your lot in life, with what you've been given, with what you've been handed? Because as we find ourselves taking refuge in him, he becomes our portion in this life and he's all sufficient. It's all together lovely. I want to end with this quote. Pastor Grace, y'all can come on up. It says it is easier, it is sometimes easier to believe in a portion in heaven than in a portion upon earth. We could die more easily than live. You know, we, we go back to beyond the grave with the, with the shootings, the school shootings. And so many, you know, so all of our kids is ingrained in them. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Pow! And sometimes the reality of it is we as Christians think it would be more easy to have our portion on the other side, but God wants us to have our portion in both. But there is no living in the land of the living like living upon the living God. For the man of God to say these precious things in the hour of his dire distress was a grand attainment. It is easy to prate bravely when we dwell at ease but to speak confidently in affliction is quite another matter. Even in this one sentence, we have two parts, the second rising far above the first. It is something to have Jehovah our refuge, but it is everything to have him of our portion. If David had not cried, he would not have said, and if the Lord had not been his refuge, he would have never been his portion. The lower step is as needful as the higher, but it is not necessary always to stop on the first round of the ladder. There's always more. There's always more. He came, John 10, 10, that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't come to save us so we could walk up to some altar, say a prayer and feel good about ourselves. He didn't pour out his spirit or doesn't pour out his spirit today to baptize us in the Holy Spirit one time. One time. That's good. I got it. I said my Shabbat. No. There's more. It's just the first step. It's just the first step. It's an ever increasing. What was our thing for the year? God, expand our capacity to worship you. God, expand my capacity to know you. That where I've taken refuge in the past, where I've found myself hiding in you in the past, I thank you. Oh, but I'm going for more. I'm going for more because I believe there's more. Because I know there's more. Because I don't want to just hide in you sometimes. I want you to be the portion of my life. I want you to be the very pie, the very thing that I eat off of and chew off of every day of my life. That when I get poked, I bleed Jesus. That when I get squeezed, the love of God comes out. That when I run past you, you get a whiff of heaven in your life. There's more for you and I to taste. There's more for us to go hide. Is God your hiding place today? Is he your hiding place today? I'm not talking about an experience 50 years from now. I'm not talking about my first experience as a hiding place. This has been a resounding thing every year in my life as a believer. Every year. Because I've got to go with him. Because this man will never be able to be God to me. I may have found the best man that's ever lived, but he'll never, ever be enough. He'll never be enough. Nobody can be enough. So I've got to find my hiding place in him. But I don't put the expectations and the demands of the world on him. He can't do it. Nobody can. But there's one above. There's one above who can. There's one above who can. So stop thinking about your yesteryear. I'm staying on this for somebody and I'm saying it in love. Your yesteryear experience isn't going to sustain you for what's to come. You're here tonight. I'm here tonight. He's speaking this word for you and I. Because there's more for us to have. There's things coming in this world that you and I cannot fight. But he's already won the battle. And as you and I learn to press in, the world doesn't leave the mark. It doesn't burn the flesh as much because we're found hidden in him. He wants to give a double dose. A double dose of his presence tonight. Thank you for joining the Celebration podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father,